Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica Five Cigar Company. Straight from the Honduran factory to your hands, the company was built by Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame and Cuban master blender Hamlet Peretti's. The entire cigar line is blended by Rob and Hamlet and is refined with feedback from a hand-selected tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can even jump on the FOH Forum right now and post reviews and comments. And you might even hear from Rob or Hamlet when you do. Rob has opened the discount floodgates and now exclusive to Lizard listeners, Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off the entire store. That's all five packs, all 25 count bundles, all 50 count bundles using promo code LIZARDPOD at Fabrica005.com. That's code LIZARDPOD, one word. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over $125 US. Again, use code LIZARDPOD for 10% off the entire Fabrica 5 store right now. That's Fabrica005.com. Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. So good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo, and tonight I'm joined by Rooster, Grinder, Senator, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some rum, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 28th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cupid cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We attempted to find Cuban twang, we discussed Jamaican rum, and we share our not-so-kind review of the new Batman film, all among a variety of other things for the next hour. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair 12-year-aged Appleton Estate Rare Casks Rum with the Monte Cristo number 2. A classic Cuban pyramid tonight on the pod, the Monte Cristo number 2, a well-regarded cigar, I would argue probably top 5, if not top 3, selling cigar in the world as far as Habanos is uh, concerned. Certainly up there with the D4. And, uh, I mean, just a classic Cuban. You know, any cigar smoker really knows this cigar. Even if they haven't had it, they know Monte Cristo and they know this specific cigar. It's an absolute must to have in your humidor. It's kind of iconic, actually. It really is. Yeah, yeah. as far as handmaids are concerned. Yep. It is. I mean, this and the D4 are the two most sold Cubans worldwide. That's right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Monte Cristo on the uh, Linea 1935 episode we did all the way back, you know, 20-something episodes ago. And we talked about the inconsistency of Monte Cristo. And I think that since that time, I have had a much warmer experience with this brand, or this marker, excuse me, mm-hmm. than I could have ever thought possible. And I am smoking so many of these cigars, it's obscene. I agree. Have you really? We haven't heard about this at all. <laughs> Tell us more, Gizmo. <laughs> I, I, am, I have completely fallen in love yeah. with the Monty number two. Yeah, the, I think it's The young great, stuff, yeah. is, it's just smoking so good. They seem to be so much more consistent than they've ever been yeah. recently. And uh, they're coming out of the boxes these days. These beautiful wrappers, just so well, just so well packed. They um, must be fake. They must be fake. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's cut this thing, boys. The Monte Cristo number two, it's a pyramid. 52 ring gauge by... It's got a little box, box press, right? Yeah, I think that's just from being in the dress box, you know. You like that grinder? That move? <laughs> that was a good move. <laughs> Wide very, open draw for me. Very smooth. Same. Yeah, same here. So we're smoking cigars tonight from uh, 2020. LTO, I think, May 20 or October 20 or something. But uh, only a couple years old. And I think that, you know, for the listener out there, this is a great cigar to get young. Keep it well, and I think it's gonna. Are we lighting? Smoke great Apparently, year. we're lighting now. Oh, sorry about that. I'm Jeez. I'm totally out of practice, boys. 
I'm just so excited about we the cigar. We didn't get the cold draw. <laughs> yeah, what are you guys getting on the cold draw? Nothing. <laughs> Not true. I always get that Cuban twang, little chocolatey, little leather. Yeah, definitely get the leather. Yeah. I don't get chocolate. Gizmo nailed the notes. That's exactly what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know this cigar, like I said, it's it, it's really the king of Cuban twang. When I see someone looking for that, that call it an X factor that only Cuban cigars have, I think this is the one that has it more than any other. So, all right, boys, let's light this thing. The Monte Cristo number two, awesome pyramid, fifty-two ring gauge by six and an eighth. Really nice in the hand. And I think this is really starting, if you want to call it the Battle of the Pyramids here on the pod. You know, we're going to have the P2 coming up, the Partagas. We're going to have the Upman 2 coming up, the uh, Robania Unico. All the twos. All the twos are coming. I mean, I, I, so I have a, I got a box of P2s with this shipment. And um, these out of the box compared to the P2. It was just light years ahead as far as aging process. Like the P2s were so, so young still. Yeah, they do more need time. A I need a box of these, Gis. Okay. Aren't, aren't the, isn't it a bit this of a. Is, it's this a, is good. It's a flavor bomb. This is unlike. Right any, off the light. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I think I, there's something going on with young Got to be something. Because they've never been like this. There's something very special about 19s, 20s, 21s yeah. that yeah. everybody is saying that they are just the, some of the best they've ever been, which wow. is awesome. It's great. This is one of I, the best I, Monty twos I've had. I've I'm had so in the surprised. last ten years. I, I don't. I don't doubt it. I, I mean, I, I had such very bad, much. I had praise. such bad Monty twos. I almost gave up on this on the Montys. Only Monty I smoke is like the number one, the number three, which is fantastic, and and the uh, the Petite uh, Edmundos. Petite, yeah, that's it. I mean, for the listener, this is uh, fascinating because, um, you were you were just. You were just reflecting on how you hate Monty Twos. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a good Monty Two. I mean, this is this is fantastic. Makes me really happy because you know, we joke you guys were busting my balls about how I've been raving about these every time I smoke them recently. I mean, I, I've I smoke three, four, five of these a week now, and I can't believe that they've slotted into my rotation that frequently. I'm smoking a ton of these. And it's funny, months ago we were talking about how inconsistent they were, they'd be plugged, draw issues. And why you had, you know, the comment that I remember making on the, the Linea episode was, why do you have to spend this kind of money on Monte Cristo yeah. to get this kind of experience? And I, I mean, what, six months later? Right. I'm totally going back on that statement. How much, uh, how much are these? So you're looking probably about... 14, 15. Yeah, you're probably looking at maybe somewhere between 13 and 17, depending, depending on where you get them. Great, great. Place. And so these come in a variety of different... Uh, uh, packaging. They come in a uh, display box of uh, 15 cigars, which are the cardboard boxes, cardboard packs, um, five packs of three. They come in a dress box of 10, which I really like. I really like the dress boxes of 10 because I feel they're not as packed in there. And then they also have the dress box of 25. I need a hundred cab of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely, uh, I'm definitely going to keep buying these. Oh, yeah. This is really good. It's awesome. So, what are you guys getting on the flavor on the of this? Light. Thing? I'm getting some chocolate. Yeah. yeah, I think cocoa's right there. Cocoa, leather. Yeah. Maybe it's my taste buds, but I always, for me, the Cuban twang, I always get dried fruit with that for me. It's definitely some Cuban twang on yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like these, the young ones especially that I've had, I've had some older ones that I thought were mediocre at best. Mm -hmm. I had some 13s, I had some 16s, and I had some 17s. 17s were the worst of all of them. The 13s were all right. The 16s were mediocre, but never something that I was like passionately reaching for. And these, even young, are just blowing them out of the water. Absolutely. I think one of the things that's cool about this cigar is I, this was one of the first Cubans I had when I first started getting into Cuban cigars. And I think what's interesting is the flavor notes that a lot of you mentioned, cocoa, dried fruit. Those are a lot of flavor notes that we get out of New World Sticks. So I feel like it's a really good bridge if you you know have primarily smoked New World cigars to get into Cubans. You get a lot of those notes that you would get out of like even a you know something with a Maduro wrapper that's New World, um, which I really like and I think is very unique. Like this is probably one of the most chocolatey 
Cubans, period. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't even know what I would compare it to Agreed. other than this. Milk chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Not deep, nothing deep. This is also one of the more accessible Cubans. It is. Right? And ubiquitously available. So What's interesting about you saying piggybacking, it's... A- piggybacking on Senator's comments, it makes sense for guys that are just getting into Cubans to really try the cigar. Now, what I think is interesting about you saying that, because I completely agree. Now, what I think is different about any other cigar that we've said that about is I, I would not say that this cigar is mild or medium. I'd argue that this cigar is medium to full in flavor. So what's funny about you saying it's accessible, it is, but it, it is a flavor bomb. A lot of guys confuse this. There's this, again, this confusion. Full flavor does not equate to a full-bodied cigar. That's yep. a, it's a completely different thing. Yeah, because you're not getting a nicotine, no, you know, kick on. Well, this there's thing. very few Cubans that you would consider full. That's bar, true. You know, strength-wise, that's yeah. true. It's not a Nicaraguan cigar. That's right. where you get the, uh, you know, the full strength, body the full and body, yeah, the and full. These flavor. are full flavored, uh, but yet more like a medium, medium to full cigar. I'll say that we're lucky the price point that we're able to get these for because one of the things that frustrates the hell out of me. When you travel abroad, and I've said this before, the only two cigars you can find hilariously even at a newsstand are a Partagas D4 and a Monte 2. But the price that you pay for this cigar, I mean, how, how much were these giz? I think I got these for 14 or 15. All right, 14, 15 a stick. No exaggeration. I've been in London and Singapore and had to pay 40 something US dollars. Wow. Just for a Monte 2. That's outrageous. It's insane. Wow. You know, it's kind of cool, though. If you can pick up one of these cigars at a newsstand, that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine just walking, like, oh. in Times Square. I'll take, be- I'll take a D4 Tubo <laughs> yeah. and a Diet Coke. <laughs> It'd be a and dream. a hot dog. That'd be a dream come true. And the Wall Street Journal. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and my Greek coffee. Yeah, this is really, uh, really, really a special cigar. Mm-hmm. Burning great. Great, uh, great smoke output. Yeah, so- lots of... Too Lots of plumy smoke. Here. I was about to say that. I wish Puba were here. Puba hates us, right? I, like, <laughs> he I, I'm, similar to you, I wish Puba was here because he's had a very similar opinion to what Brewster's had. And I'm, I would think that this cigar... I think he would like this. Where did, I think where so did he get the shitty perspective on Monty? I, I so think like, he... So he and I have debated this for a while. I, I think he got a bad box, which happens in any yeah. cigar. Sometimes you just get a bad box. And I think that that sort of ruined it for him. But I think if he tried this, he'd be really pleased. <clears throat> Quick aside, I got a bad box of D4s. Wait a second. Did I give you your first money too? Very possible. I think I did. I think you might have. I don't think I think you did when you ordered them. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is there such a thing as a bad box of D4s? I got a Does bad, that happen? I got a bad box of D4s, man. Wow. What was yeah. wrong with them? They smoked. Um, he left them on the roof of his car. No. <laughs> Touche. That was a bad Touché. Uh The flavor was just, they didn't burn at all. And I had them, the humidity wasn't a problem. I had them for a while. They were stored probably about six months, a year in my humidor. Um, it was a box of 25. And versus another box in the same code versus other similarly aged cigars. And, you know, uh, in the dress box, and excuse me, in the in the semi uh, semi boy nature box, tasted horrible. Sometimes there's horrible. A, sometimes there's like a like a stall when you're aging some of these cigars, where it just it kind of doesn't get as as good as it should for a certain period of time. It's like when you're cooking meat, like there's a stall when you're when you're smoking, you know, a brisket, you know. And I think for aging cigars, you age it long enough. It's gonna. It, it, there's a there's a hump to get over. There may be something to what you're saying because what I what I feel I tasted or experienced with that, and not to get off on D4s, but I feel like what I experienced with that is I think that at some point they were so overhumidified, almost to the oh, point of yeah. mold, right? That I think that there's just something happened there that wasn't good. Yeah. But anyways, back to the money too. Money too. Um, so let's talk about Cuban twang. I think that that's a an interesting uh, flavor note. That I, I don't know if somebody put a gun to my head or put a microphone in front of my face that I could very adequately describe. Do do any of you feel like you can do that? Because I don't know. I don't know what it is, so I, I don't know if I, I could. I, I'll give it my best shot, but I, I'm with you in that what I'm about to say is doesn't satisfy even I also the have description that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a bit of like a, a salty minerality 
that you get out of the cigar. Like I, I when I when I think of Cuban twang and when I like this cigar, like I imagine me smoking it like on a beach, like in the Caribbean. It's very hard to describe, but for me, it's like that salty minerality that kind of describes the flavor. So, so that saltiness is, I think, what the Cuban twang is. Yeah. Right? It distinguishes it from any other cigar, it's almost I like, think. It's like there's something on the front of your tongue or something, like yeah. the, in the roof of your mouth. Yeah. yeah. There's something that happens there that I guess could we, so, we might equate it to salt. Maybe it's, it's probably, from the probably the human sweat from the rollers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thanks a lot, that's, that's, that's not the, oh, the visual God. I that's want. Not All right, this is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, 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 you know, I don't know if it's from the soil or the water. I don't know what it is, but he's cutting say? that. Why cutting that? I quit, I quit cigars. So <laughs> Cuban twang equates sweat, roller sweat. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? No, I think that, and I think that it's important to have that discussion around this cigar because I think this cigar more than any has it so predominantly uh, for me. I when I light this, it's like. If somebody handed me a, a Nicaraguan fake Monty too, that would be the maybe one of the easier cigars to go. This is this is off, mm-hmm. you know, because it's so it's so classic to this cigar. But I think it is a saltiness. I think it's a minerality. There's something about the way the smoke coats the the, the roof of your mouth. It coats your entire mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say something else about this. the The construction of this cigar. So we we've talked about how we've had bad Monty twos before, but I want to make one distinction. I've smoked a lot of Monty 2s. It's remarkable to me that I have never once had a plugged Monty 2. That's I interesting. Either. Has yeah. anyone? I, That's I, true. I've really, yeah, like, I, I my haven't. problem's been, like, the flavor's muddled sometimes. Doesn't burn well. Doesn't burn well. So, but uh, I have never, ever taken a perfect draw twice. to a Monty 2. So I've had two plugged Montys. And I've had, you know, the Oyo, the Epi, Epi 2s, and the, those are also kind of similar in, in performance. They... For me, it's always a plugged cigar. Yeah, for when me, it, the Monty Twos that I've had in the past that I was talking about, the flavors were like non-existent. They were like absolutely flat. Like I wasn't getting anything out of it. This morning, I had an Edmundo that was just like that. It was flat. Was it I, super There was aged? like no flavor. No, no, yeah. not like highly aged, like last couple of years, maybe 2019 box or something. But I get no flavor. I get huge amount of flavor out of the petite Edmundo, but the regular double Edmundos, nothing. I don't know. It's just, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. It's a bad yeah. box. I mean, this on the other hand is just phenomenal. It's so flavorful. Yeah, this is a good one. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know what's interesting about you saying a bad box? This is, I've kind of bounced around between several boxes that I have just to see, like, wait a second. Am I getting just a A plus, call it a PSP, like an amazing box or... Am I experiencing something that's happened pretty commonly? And I think I have four or five boxes. I've tried one of each, similar ages, and they Same are thing. swing. Yeah. They're all swinging for the fences. Oh yeah, it's good. Good to yeah. know. Yeah, tasting very nicely with this rum that we're having tonight. Yeah, let's talk about the rum. Yeah, I haven't tasted the rum yet. The Appleton Estate, twelve-year aged. It's good. A lot of warm feelings in the room for Appleton Estate from our dear senator. <laughs> I, I love this rum. <laughs> Mm, that's great wow it's really good oh so is it is it is it as this is like when you're in jamaica and you're real jamaican this is what you want to drink apple so in jamaica like their version of like a well rum that like every human being that's drinking rum is drinking is called ray and nephew that's like ubiquitous throughout jamaica like that's what any bar you go to you're going to get ray and nephew and ray and nephew ironically bought and owns appleton estate um, and then I would say for age statement rums, Appleton Estate is like the gold standard in Jamaica. Yeah. So uh, we what, talked about it a little bit. I'm sorry to interrupt, but most rums don't have age statements, right? That's that's. So yeah, I, I would say the vast majority do not. Okay. Um, and then some brands have higher end stuff that they do have age statements on. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you want, I can talk a little bit just about Appleton and, and kind of even some of the different age statements that they have. I was gonna say I would love to hear that because I was. You know, just observing, I've seen rums more so than scotches have age statements that are just like so old. And I'm like, how is this a 35 year old rum that's 
sixty dollars. Yeah, I know? just oh, saw that's bullshit. I just saw a thirty-year rum, or maybe not sixty. I don't know something yeah, that something be. that's not three. Because I'll, I'll give you an example. So, so Appleton Estate has a fifty-year rum, but it goes for like six grand a bottle. Wow, wow. So, like, they have heavily aged, heavily aged ones, but you got to pay a real premium. But for you it. don't they blend like certain different ages? That's what I was going to say. I remember when we did the four right. square uh, right. rum, and Puba went into a deep dive on it. So it's no different than scotch. So that's one of the things that's interesting about age statement rum. They're actually identical in the sense that, and I can only say this for Appleton Estate, so I'm not saying every rum. I know they don't cut corners. I'm sure plenty of brands do, um, and I don't think Foursquare does either. Um, when Appleton Estate puts 12-year on that bottle, that guarantees that the minimum age of anything in that bottle is at least 12. There could be some stuff that's 14, 15 years uh, blend in there with it. The so same with a single malt. They have to guarantee the minimum is 12. 12. Plus. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I should have known that. So on the episode we did that had the four square rum, I remember Puba saying that that guy that makes the four square rum is at war, has kind of declared war on the rum industry because of the insincere age statements. 100%. 100%. So, that, you know, it's nice to hear that this is a rum that's also kind of subscribed to Authentic age statements. That's the thing. So like in, in Jamaica, they're extremely, extremely stringent about the requirements for rum and just any age statement that goes on the bottles. I think, if I'm being honest, there are a number of Dominican rums. I think like, where was the Foursquare from? Is that Barbados? I think that's... I think that's it's Barbados, yes. which would make sense. For whatever reason, I think like in the Dominican, on some of the other islands, it's a lot looser what you can claim around the rum. And there's a shit ton of added sugar in a lot of these rums. I mean, rum is obviously from sugar cane, but when you take a sip and it, it tastes like, you know, a Jolly Rancher or syrup, like, you know, they've added a ton to it. And one of the reasons I've always loved Appleton Estate, and you can probably tell from drinking this, it's not overly sweet. Like it's very balanced for a rum. I think there are a lot of Cuban rums that are like that, that do not add any sugar and you're just getting it straight from the sugar cane. So that, that's why, you know, Appleton to me has always been a brand that I trust and, and a rum that I really enjoy. Um, and I think they have a really just cool history. I mean, they're, they're founded in 1749. Wow. I mean, okay. They've been around for a very long time. Um, and then I think even just a, a cool fact about um, who's really responsible or the brains behind the operation now, um, Appleton Estate um, has the world's first female master blender. It's a woman named Joy Spence, who for the last 35 years has been the master blender. Wow. For 35 years. Wow. Wow. Very cool. That's crazy. Um, and then I mentioned, obviously, they have a number of different age statements. So their sort of entry level, um, entry level rum has around four years. Um, then they have a reserve blend that's around six years. They have a 12 that we're drinking, a 21 and a 50 year old. And I mentioned the 50 year old goes for like six grand a bottle. Um, but there's something for everyone. And the rum we're drinking, I mean, this is now grinder territory, but it's a blend uh, of rum from pot and column stills. Mm. Um, and uh, that's all I've got. Nice. So I, I have a hard time finding this. Where did you find this? Gizmo found it. Oh, Gizmo. I found it. I found it at a place uh, about 10 minutes from my house. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I always look, I'm always on the lookout for it. I never, ever can find it. Yeah, there's Only, a, it's a little shop. I can point you to it. It was 52 bucks. Yeah, yes. I mean, the, and the, the, the it wasn't reason, bad. I mean, it's great. I, this call me crazy, but when I smell this, you smell it, I man. smell like a bag of aromatic pipe tobacco. Yeah, that's I, an for any comment. for any pipe smokers in the listener, like I smell pipe <sighs> tobacco right now. It's on the nose, really exquisite. It yeah, is. I mean, it's exquisite. And, you got to get your nose That's in there. That's a really interesting comment because it does smell like Doesn't that. Doesn't it smell like, like when you put your face pipe in, tobacco? If you go to a, a tobacconist and you stick your face in the jar. Cherry Cavendish. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. Yeah. Well, you know what it, What I find very cool about this this scotch and pairing it with this cigar, which rum. I kind of... It's a rum, sir. Or excuse me, the rum. Wow, good call. The rum, I'm just so used to saying scotch on this podcast. The <laughs> rum, uh, pairing it with this salty twangy yeah cuban it's kind of a they go like for like exactly yeah yes. i mean like you can tell it's caribbean i think you know it's got this odd sweetness this apple crisp sweetness cherry cavendish as as uh 
rooster said. I think the pairing is and then really enjoyable. Sync that up to yeah. the saltiness of the so so called Cuban twang. It's just like salt balancing out the sweetness. It's great. Yeah, so it, they're perfectly complementary. Yeah. So it's actually very very funny that you say that. Um, and I'm I'm looking some of this up because I I know I know that what you're saying is real and exists. But I'm trying to understand why. So there's a thing when you talk about Jamaican rum, and there's obviously a ton of different brands there. They say that Jamaican rum has this funk to it. They call it a funk. And I exactly what you're describing, that smell, as I look this up, it says in rum, the funk refers to an array of distinctive aromas produced by organic compounds known as esters. These aromas can vary from ripe tropical fruit notes um, to notes uh, moving into like even clay, a whole bunch of different things. So what you're picking up is very real. Like it's a it's a characteristic that's very unique um, in, in Jamaican rum. And I like because when you taste it, it it's just it's very balanced in that it's not overly uh, sugary or sweet. You're getting a whole bunch of different flavors. And I think yeah. we were just pulling out a bunch of them. I think there's so many. And, the and I get nutmeg and yes. all kinds of dried it's fruit. Subtle, it, though. It's, it's not yeah. dominating. No. It doesn't predominate or dominate the taste right. the taste profile, which is great. It still tastes like a rum. It's it does, got but it, to me, it, it's very sophisticated. That's the thing. I would, it's I it's unusual. This is one of the more complex very. rums. And yeah, I, I like that they're not pulling the flavor from this added sugar, which yeah. I feel like anytime I get a, an average rum, I'm not, I'm not, I never really enjoy it because I just feel like it's like kind of like candy in a way. It's yeah. just, it's There's, this there's, is it's taste natural. To there's me. so many different whispers of flavor with this pairing with with this cigar, truly Cuban, you know, Monty two iconic, whatever iconic word you want to describe it, and then the 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 faint tastes of these, you know, fruit. I getting I'm getting apple fruit, the cherry, the funk. You know, it's it's subtle and it and all the, the different subtleness is really kind of marrying well together. Bam Bam loves the funk. <laughs> I love when you talk in the third person, by the way. But it's funny how well, you there said is, it's... there is a third person for Bam Bam. It's, there it's, is. He comes after every a, once in a while. He makes an, an appearance. Absolute alter ego. Yeah, no doubt about it. What was that? I was going to say no. It, it's funny that you say that it, it's not very dominant because there are some rums where like that funk you're describing is like super, super, super dominant. And in this, it's like very balanced. You're just getting little notes of yeah. a lot of different things that I think just make for really complex, it's, enjoyable it rum. It's sophisticated, without it's, a doubt. The second half of this cigar is really kicking me. You're already well. in the second half? Sorry. Wow. <laughs> the second, I'm sorry. The second third. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The second Got third. It. Yeah, you're not as far along. No, no, that's not. Clearly, that's not half of the cigar. So would you describe this cigar, what kind of act play would you describe this cigar? Because for me, I feel like it is, it's very complex and flavorful and interesting, but I don't feel like it changes much throughout, which I like. I do too. I agree with that. I, I would say it's one act in that it's consistent all the way through. I just think it picks up in strength as you yeah. go, as you work your way through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that also, you know, plays into how fast you're smoking it. If you're pulling a lot, if you're heating it up, I think it's going to give you a little more oomph. But if you take your time, if you milk in, you know, an hour, out of hour 15 out of this, as opposed to like, you know, uh, Pagoda would smoke this in 40 minutes. Um, you know, if you don't heat it up too much, it's going to, the, it's, um, it's going to be good. I say this about cigars fairly frequently, but one of the things that I really love is the, the aroma of the cigar. So like the, me enjoying someone else in the room smoke a good cigar can be just as pleasurable sometimes as Absolutely. smoking it yourself. Yep. And this, this cigar to me is like very classic. When I was like 16 years old at the golf course and some guy was smoking a cigar down the, down the hole and like I was get, getting the, the gust of that. Like this to me is that is like that summertime, like green grass, beautiful scenery. It's like quintessential to me. You know, it's interesting you say about the aroma coming off of it too. If you smell where it's burning, the burn line, I, I love how these smell at the burn line. <laughs> that, was, that was too much for me. <laughs> take, <laughs> take it easy, grinder. <laughs> take it easy. A little, little, little warm in the nostrils. <laughs> Send in the nurse, please. <laughs> To that point, though, I think this was a perfect pairing in that both the Monty 2 and the rum are just so flavorful, aromatic. This is great. It's awesome. 
fantastic pairing. You know, we talked a little bit about counterfeit. We joked about it. But this cigar, I think, is, aside from Cohiba, which obviously um, is, is really counterfeited, this cigar is counterfeited, like, almost more than any other regular production cigar outside of a Cohiba Robusto. Well, that's easy. Yeah, you it's know. an easy one to do with the band. The, you know, the problem is with Monte Cristo is this simple brown band is so easy to replicate there's mm-hmm. nothing special really about it there's a little embossed on it for the what do they call it uh, uh florida lee florida lee um but otherwise the band is really not that there's nothing really that special about it however i do i do hear that if you take the band off and you put a a, a black light on it there is an mc really hidden are you serious on the band yeah so where's do you have your black light on you i, I feel don't, like that's I something you should carry with you Yes, for the I'll listener. Check all your, I'll check all your bands before we go. Buy on. your black lights immediately. <laughs> That's a cool fact. Yeah, there's a little MC on the band underneath. In MC any, Hammer. Yeah, it's going to say, in case anyone knows, wants to know who controls the mic. <laughs> Can't touch this. Yeah, this is, uh, this is really, really delicious. Oh, so I wanted to bring something up. Uh-oh. Because I feel vindicated. Why are you looking at me? Well, I'm looking at you because I'm about to look at him. Oh, there you're you go. Wave, you're Directed waving that way. I'm you're waving at, over there. You, your it finger. Because Jesus. I'm about to throw it to Senator. But I got chastised a little bit <laughs> a couple episodes back for walking out of a movie. Oh, oh. Ah, oh not at good. all. And oh, you know, you know, I, uh, I, I was, I was feeling a little bad about it. Was I too critical of the Batman movie? Was I too rough on it? Did I walk out unnecessarily? And Senator, what was your experience with these? So the I, I have to say, I'm glad you brought it up because I did say that I would publicly back you up here. Uh, first of all, let's just make sure that we separate this from everything else and that you, you can be a little too hot sometimes <laughs> in your reaction. I don't to know things. what you're talking about. <laughs> but like a- in, this, in this instance in particular, you were spot on. I mean, my, my wife and I the other day started watching the, the new Batman movie. It's the only like superhero thing I will watch. Me like, too. The only one. I don't want to see Spider-Man, any of that other stuff. Only Batman. And Marvel, I'm completely out on Marvel. 100%. After the second or third Iron Man movie, I was out. And like all the, you know, the the Christian Bale movies like amazing They're recently, great. right? The last like 3 that he did outstanding Chris movies Nolan. by any metric Chris period. Nolan? Christopher Nolan was yeah. the director. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I wasn't that excited about the twilight guy that they chose to be batman in this but i was at least happy it was not ben affleck uh, that that would have completely ruined it for me um but to (laughs) gizmo's credit it was awful i actually think he was too kind to it oh it was was it too dark it's not even that it was just so uninteresting well so boring the acting the acting was awful so the only, so the only the acting that was actually really good in it was the woman um, who plays Catwoman. Kra- Kravitz's, Kravitz's daughter. daughter. Zoe. Yes. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. She was great. You know but who it also, also, it know also who helps else I liked? that she's smoking hot. She is smoking hot. Okay. But you know who else I liked in the film was uh, Colin Farrell played the Penguin. Uh, so I'm going to have to disagree. The like reason that. I'm going to say this, he looked not, it completely unrecognizable at all that it was Colin Farrell. And at that point, like... You couldn't tell it was his voice. You couldn't tell it looked like him. I'm like, why did they even cast Colin Farrell? Like, anyone could have played that role. It, it just, it, it did nothing for me that he was behind all these that's prosthetics fair. and weird shit they yeah, did with him. True. So I was like, that's kind of a waste that's true. of casting him. I couldn't role. recognize him either. Yeah. So remember when Jack Nicholson played the Joker? Yeah, he was awesome. To yeah. me, that was, he was that great. Was awesome. That was so, awesome. Yeah, and remember Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger that was, was incredible. Oh, yeah. Spectacular. Even, even Joaquin Phoenix. I thought yeah. Oh, yeah, in the Joker movie, movie, that was great. He's Absolutely. a great actor. Absolutely. He, um, he was perfect for that yeah, movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love Batman. I've always, I've always loved Batman. And my wife always teases me because, like, you know, just a, another billionaire superhero, you know, trope or whatever. <laughs> um, and I, I, so I was kind of snarkily making snide comments to you about your, your departure from the from the from the viewing but I was also uh disappointed in yeah. it because what I found was that I just wasn't there was nothing that was grabbing my attention from a storyline it kind of was like it was kind of bopping around a little bit 
And I'm like 45 minutes into it, and I'm still like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? Yes. Yeah, it made no sense. <laughs> like, what is exactly, exactly what we were saying? Is there anything that's trying or we trying to do here? Um, and I did think I don't like Batman to wear eyeliner. I'm I like, totally agree. Come with on, that. really? So, you know, the whole he was he was playing the vampire thing a little too much. There, there, there was an element about it, and I think I mentioned it on the on the podcast where I talked about it. The thing, for, there's two factors for me that, that failed in this movie. Number one was believability. When you're setting up a premise, let's say like the Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix, there's an element that they're trying to make it believable, and they really succeeded in that film. I don't was, know if you guys saw it. Uh, the very, Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix was not a superhero movie. Very that believable. That was a thriller, uh, uh, psychological, you or, know, It was an origin. Origin, origin story, movie. and yeah. he was a tortured soul and really did it well. What I didn't like about this film is they tried too hard on believability, and they failed in that for me. I didn't believe this guy was Batman. I didn't believe that any of this was plausible. I, I didn't believe any of it. And number two, I think that there was an attempt for the film to be too dark and almost feel almost like an A24 film, like Hereditary or Midsommar or these other recent horror films that have really succeeded in the theater, almost like trying to be low budget, but you know it's not. It's too dark, but they're not succeeding because they're still trying to make it a little fun. Well, yeah. I, I, I just didn't. It no did, one, nothing no one, connected for me. No one really likes post-apocalyptic shit unless there's zombies involved. <laughs> and like or that, World, War of the Worlds is yeah. good, too. Aliens, zombies. When it's Batman in the post-apocalypse, like crazy world, upside-down world, then it's kind of like. I don't, I don't want to. So I, I don't agree with see all that. of that, but I'm even willing to go so far as to say, like, I can accept if they want to do everything you just described. Not okay. my preference, but like, I can live with it. Sure. The thing that just kills me, I, I agree with you on the believability. I never felt like the guy was Batman. No. Like, one of the things that's cool about Batman, right? He's this superhero, but there are times and there are moments where you're like, holy shit, I'd be terrified if this dude, you know, <laughs> rolled up to me on the street. Like, you know, you I watch know. like Christian Bale, like, when he's at his angriest, yes. like, He's a scary dude. Yeah. Yep. This guy is a joke. Well, to me, like, even, like, there was this scene, and this is me, this is, okay, this is Gizmo nitpick that you, you mentioned, right? There's a scene where he's standing in front of you. You can see his entire top to bottom, head to feet. And when he's walking in his boots, it's almost like the boots are too heavy for his legs. Oh, oh, oh. And he can't, like, this. he can't, like, lift the boot like he looks like he's awkwardly trying to maneuver these heavy ass boots that they put it's on the so guy. funny you say that my my wife even noticed that and said something like is there something wrong like look at how he's walking <laughs> like it looked funny like you like, thought like there was something wrong with him when that was not at all supposed to be part of the storyline the other thing he's, that, he's creeping like a vampire he can't shake that out of his blood <laughs> he's creeping. The, the other thing that kills me in this movie what movie how, was he in twilight yeah yeah, yeah. all yeah. of them all terrible of them. yeah but how hard is it for all the little like special effects things they do? Like the Batmobile, it's very simple. It should look fucking cool. It should be fast, sleek, all of that. Whatever thing this guy drove out, it looked like a like a dune buggy or something <laughs> that they just like strapped some shit onto. I was like, this is like I could make this problem. Yeah, should have like a little orange. This flag is not on the a back. Batmobile. It, it looked like a black Dodge Viper. I yeah, mean, it wasn't. It, just, it was terrible. It was. And the, did you even see the like bat suit he's wearing? I'm like, this is not a real like. Yeah, cool it, it, suit, it looked man. like it looked like Aunt Betsy sewed it for him the yeah. night before. Yeah. Just <laughs> everything top to bottom. So we watched half the movie. We stopped. We said we would come back to it weeks later. Have. We have not come back yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, you it know, was, and it was not good. And I, uh, you know, I didn't finish it either. I know they're making more of them. I hope they make better ones. But it's hard. It's hard for me as a guy. I grew up with. Listen, as a kid, there were a lot of cool Batman movies, and they never it would there was never a pretense of of, of believability in the the Michael Keaton Batman or the George Clooney Batman. That was always supposed to be stupid. Arnold Schwarzenegger's like Mr. Freeze or no, those, Mr. Whatever. Those are awful. You know, but but they were almost more entertaining to that me was fun, than though. They they're were fun, fun. Yeah, because honestly, they were, they were meaning funny. to be one fun. One and two, the two first Keaton movies, they, they were, were okay. Very entertaining. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, okay, now you get to real movies with Christopher Nolan and, and Christian Bale. I mean, that's, those movies those, were... Those are serious those films. Those are all-time serious films. Cinematic yeah. masterpieces. All they three are. of them. They all are. three of them. Fantastic. So, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. the, the Bane character, the uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, Joker character. Was, he was awesome. That the was music. amazing. The, the music. music, Hans Zimmer. So, yeah, so I'm feeling vindicated, in my opinion, in this film. You should. I, 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 I honestly mm. feel bad. That I thought it was ridiculous that you walked out of that movie. <laughs> and also, 
Fuck the critics. Because the reason that I thought Gizmo was out of his mind walking out, if you look up this movie. Was that a 90? Everything from IMDb to Rotten Tomatoes, like, yeah. you know, eight point something. People say it's an outstanding Batman. It's not even watchable. I felt let down because you were so excited for it. I was. You were like showing us like the trailer. The trailers were cool. Up. The trailers look great. The trailer, they did a great job. And normally I find with movies, oftentimes the trailer is the weakest part. You know, I, I, this to me, it was the strongest part. That's I If I only saw that, I would have been way more satisfied. You know, it did make a billion dollars. Of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah. So the, the global sales. I had a I had a Batman backpack when Ooh, I was a kid. Costume? No, well, no. I think I did that for Halloween. I, one I was Batman for Halloween several times. In fact. <laughs> I love last Batman. year. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's the work, just the work Halloween party. There's something every 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 with Echo as a sidekick. Uh, <laughs> actually, oh no, I'm sorry, know, Walter. You, you know what's actually very funny? There's a great photo of of my wife and Echo, where one year my wife was Catwoman. And Echo has this bow tie on, and he looks like Alfred, <laughs> Alfred. from the Batman movies. And there's this great photo of the two of them staring at each other. It's incredible. That's cool. <laughs> so you were saying, Grinder, we interrupted you. You had a backpack. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, I was saying there's, I think there's something um, like inherent. Is it, you know, there's something about little boys wanting to be Batman. Like every little boy wants to be Batman. Absolutely. I think, you yeah. know. Because what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I still want to kick ass and have fun and have a lot of money. That's basically what Batman is. Absolutely. And he's a good guy. Yeah. But he has a bad guy edge. It's like, the, it's, like a, it's like a modern take on Robin Hood in a way. It's like Elon Musk. If, if maybe Elon, maybe he's like secretly Batman. Maybe. If anybody is, it could be him. It could that's be true. Elon. I mean, he fucking goes to space. We're showing, we're seeing the pictures of the. Oh, that's a cat. great picture! Oh my gosh, you got to pass hilarious. that around. We got to pass that around. That is hilarious, and your wife's face is hilarious. She's so, so, so in character. That's cool. Oh, she's that's so great. serious. <laughs> Look at the. She's got like the fucker like. So so uh, so senators passing around a picture of his wife holding their cat, dressed as Catwoman and and Alfred. It's fantastic. So um yeah so anyway I I, I think uh, it was very disappointing for me. I thought the critics got this one way wrong. Um, and uh, I will not be uh, I will not be excited about a future Batman film. I can tell you that. They, well, the thing is, they have to fucking keep making them. They do because if you don't make them, you'll lose it. Kind yeah. of thing goes up to public domain. Is that what? Am I talking right? I don't know if the, I don't know if the I don't know if that has to do with the movie making. I think just the the I, I think the the, I, the did. I think the movie uh, companies Warner Brothers. You know, unlike Disney, who has everything, they only have so many properties that are that are almost near guarantee. Stunners. Every time they go out, they're going to make, like, like Rooster said, a billion bucks. I mean, not many movies you can count on that. I mean, as bad as this movie that you guys are saying is, it still made a billion dollars. I mean, there are tons yeah. of shitty movies that have made a boatloads yeah. of money. All the Fast so and Furious so, so films. So that's have. why they'll keep okay. making it. Yeah. yeah. But it's just so, so sad because, right, like, here, here's, a, I think, a great example. Like, if you were to compare this to the whole Bond series, mm. right, like, there's a pressure that comes with playing a character like James Bond, like Batman, and when the person who did it before you was so outstanding, if you're the next director, if you're the next lead actor playing Batman, you feel like you need to live up to that. I'm just stunned that by almost every single metric, no one delivered in that movie outside of Catwoman. That was about it. Yeah. Well, The, 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 the Riddler was kind of scary to begin with. In this film, yeah. See, I just don't like that guy as an actor. I ever I since agree. he ever since he got his brains beat out by uh, Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood with a bowling pin, I just that guy is like oh my god, a joke that's to me. that guy. That's that guy. I hate that guy. Like that's what I'm saying. By the way, that's the, one of my favorite movies. I love it's that such movie. a good movie. But the, his his character in that, you you you, you want, want to punch you want him to rip as soon his as head off as soon as you see him. Yep. <laughs> and then talking, you know, doing the whole God thing. And, yep. Remember the scene with the in the mud pool? <laughs> Love it. And what he's saying, I have a milkshake, and, <laughs> oh, and I, I will your drink milkshake. you up. <laughs> drink your milkshake on a very long straw. <laughs> so, just a hilarious story. It's called Grindr. drainage. <laughs> Grinder will appreciate this. When I was younger in my career, I guess uh, as a consultant, some other firm we were competing against. We were both working for a client, and I succeeded eventually in edging that firm out of that business. 
And my boss at the time was like so proud of me. And he just looks at me, he sends me the, 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 I drink your milkshake, uh, like <laughs> yeah. uh, video. And he's like, that was you. I'm very proud. Excellent. That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. So, uh, uh the second half of the Monty Two Boys, I'm getting it's it's picking up in twang almost. Yeah, I, it's, it is. I'm it getting is. even more of what we were talking yeah. about now. It's I, I I don't know if it's, I'd say it's picking up in strength. Certainly, we've been talking, so I'm not hitting it as much. But the flavor is picking up a little bit for me in that twang. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Absolutely. I feel like it's less chocolatey. It's it's more like leather and twang right now for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. What? So is, yeah. is twang, uh, is there an official definition of twang in the, in the cigar book that we're getting? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we, should, we should get lounge lizard shirts that say the definition of Cuban twang. Just twang on the back. And then like what our definition of twang is. It's like the, it's the X factor in these cigars that no new world will ever have. That's true. It, the, no new world will ever have that. They've tried and tried and... I've never tu- I've never tasted it anywhere but in a good Cuban cigar. We should we should well, we're gonna we make should, some merch. We gotta make some merch. We're gonna make some merch. <laughs> so what are you guys thinking about the Monty Two right now? Really about love halfway through. Really love this cigar. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It hasn't changed much in flavor, but no. like you said, like the chocolate notes have kind of subsided mm-hmm. a bit, you know, and it's it's, it's ramping gained, up. gained a little bit in uh, body and strength. And fullness. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's getting its final third you know, intensity for me right now, which is good and bad. Um, I find that with, with, with Cubans, like the final third, sometimes the intensity picks up on some of the harsher areas that are not as well-rounded. I will say, though, I think the older the Cuban is, the less you get that. Yeah, probably. Right. Like it smooths out, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Like sure. it's smooth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, you're closer. I'm, you're, you're close, you're, when you're down here, you're closer to where the combustion is. Yeah. So it doesn't cool off and, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to. And, and you know, it's also, I think it's, in, in, uh, it's, it's intentional by the master blender to, you know, blend these cigars the same way and keep them as consistent as possible cigar to cigar. But certainly they, they, they're planning on this little journey that we're going on right now in the blend. They're, they're planning this. How, they're, long, they're they mapping been, this how long have they been making this guy? This has been since the 1950s and 1940s, even before. So imagine that. Imagine the pressure on that guy. Yeah, to be like you have to make a money to taste the same way it tasted in 1952. <laughs> do, you, do you think it tastes like it tasted back then? There's no way. <laughs> you know, it's, there's, but, too, there's too many plastics in the soil these days. You know, <laughs> you know what Not I love. Not in Cuba. You know what I love though, and and we talked about this, and this is, you know, talk about the journey of smoking Cuban cigars and in, in, in a room like this. Like, to me, the fact that you guys are all enjoying this as much as I've been recently enjoying this, like. It does enhance this experience of of sharing cigars, and it it, it is it's really really wild that for fifteen bucks that we can have such a quality experience with a hand rolled. Pro- it's really amazing to me. I, I I love what you're saying because it's funny. I mean, before you had tried a Monty too, Bam and I I feel like we're really the only lizards yeah. regularly smoking Monty twos. I know Rooster had gotten a bad box and was not so crazy about them at the time, and I'm not sure if Grinder maybe just wasn't on this cigar at that time or if you got into them later. But I I I did not feel this was a stick that like I would light up and everyone would be wanting to light up the same thing. Yeah. So this is great. It is. It is great. It'll be interesting in the next few months, future purchases, what they're like. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I feel like right now, based on not only my experience smoking these and having old, having had older ones, um, but I'm curious, not only are we in like a really special window right now with these cigars and others, I mean, look at D4s, yeah, look at, maybe look at Upman 2s, I mean, I mean, the last couple of years of those, P2s, I mean, I think we're just in a special window of, of, of Cuban cigars, mm-hmm. and I'm curious what these that we're smoking right now, if we hold them for two, three, four more years, are they going to get better? Right. You know, how are they going to change? Are they going to get worse? Who knows? But I'm going to smoke the shit out of this. Absolutely. No Savoring every cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's still burning really, really, really well. Look at too. the combustion, man. Yeah, combustion, it's it's smoke output. The only time I've had to touch it up when I was, uh, when I was talking, you know. Yeah. Give it a little touch up. It's like the perfect amount of combustion. You know, there are some cigars, like I think I talk about some of the larger ring, uh, ring gauge Cubans like the um, 
the E2, the Partagas E2, or even a QD54, where like you're a chimney. The smoke output is even overwhelming sometimes, and you have to kind of be in the mood for that. Yep. And then others that just don't draw all that much. But this is, it's like the perfect amount of smoke output. Yep. What's the ring gauge on this? Because 54? It's 52. 52. 52. See, like this is about where I am right now. This is probably about as wide of a, of a ring gauge I'm ever going to enjoy. That is a really I, interesting comment. I'll had, tell you why in a second. I had a, I had a Mag Forty Six today, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in my backyard. It's a beautiful day, uh, where we are in the state of the world. Um, and I was reflecting on how much I love that ring gauge, like the Forty Six. Forty Six. The I'm Corona like, Gorda, I think, is one of the best. It's. It was just. It was like size. the perfect ring gauge for me, and I was, you know. I was just reflecting on how much I like that those sticks and smaller ones, and um, I mean this is probably, you know, this fifty two you said this is about as big as I would, I'd ever go. Um, I'm just in, more into the smaller sizes these days. I mean, I just think that tor- the torpedo shape generally is, is just perfect because, right, the fact that it it goes to that point at the end, what you're actually yeah drawing on is actually smaller in ring gauge than the rest of the cigar mm-hmm. so is this a torpedo or a pyramid though because there are differences right i would say torpedo uh pyramid really really so it is a pyramid gizmo is mouthing pyramid as he's uh i thought we his, had that did we not rum. talk about mm. we did we did uh, puba gave a deep dive he gave on us, the yeah. Differences. Okay. yeah he took us to school I mean, I'll be honest. I still just use the Fourth terms interchangeably. I haven't learned my lesson, but I need to. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't remember, I don't recall. Yeah, I, f- I forget what the difference is. I don't. I don't know. But I, I, I sound smart when I say. But is it really? It's because yeah, you are smart. <laughs> I'm back. This is a. Uh, this is a pyramid. All right, for sure. And you know, again, as we get into the battle of the pyramids a little bit, you know, this is the first of them. We're gonna do the Upman two. We're gonna do the Particus P two. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do the Vegas Robania Unico. Uh, and I'm missing some something. I don't remember what I'm missing. Uh, but yeah, this is a, this is definitely a pyramid. Well, that that up, up in two episodes going to be off the chain. Oh yeah, we're going to go. It's going to be off the that. chain. I mean, it's funny as I'm just thinking about this. Like, what's special about this pyramid or torpedo shape? We smoke. And I think I'm speaking for all of us. We smoke a lot more Cubans in a pyramid or torpedo than we do any new world other Absolutely. other than the millennium other than yeah the millennium yeah. i mean occasionally we'll have a padrone torpedo but that's I, right I, it's not none of them are like I, I smoke a lot of uh padrone torpedoes actually i don't know what size that is i forget the name they have so many sizes i don't know, forget the name no they call it the torpedo they call it torpedo yeah. and the 64 line is just called the torpedo that was the uh, number one of the cigar of the year this year in oh, natural, was in natural yeah oh in natural yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we reviewed that we reviewed yep. that one yeah Great stick. You know, going back to Grinder's point about ring gauges for a second, um, <clears throat> I was doing, uh, I was, you know, I'm always on the internet poking around, and there was a discussion on one of the forums I'm on about 54 ring gauge cigars. And the proprietor of the site was saying that, and I agree with him, that he loves the QD54, and there was another cigar that he loves. That he wished. I hope it's the E2. It, no, no, no. It, it, his comment, and the E2 was the exception, and I agreed with him on this. The comment was that he wished that the QD54 came in that same flavor profile, tasted exactly the same, just in a smaller ring gauge. I agree with that. I agree with that yeah. too. Now, the E2, oh. I think, is the only exception that when I see and reach for that cigar, I'm fine with it as it is. It's Agreed. a that's a world class cigar. The Partagas E2 is perfect as it is. Absolutely. The other one I'll put in that category too that that I wish came as the same flavor. Magnum. Magnum 54. 54. Ah. I wish it was yeah. smaller ring gauge. Same. I, fl- I wish that. Yeah. that I could get that same cigar yeah. in a smaller ring gauge. You know, because the you look at the Magnums, the Upmans, the the 46, the 50, and the 54, which are the three most readily available, are all very different in flavor. They are. I, to me, the 46 and the 54 are like miles apart they in are. flavor, which is a good thing. Absolutely. You, you know, you're reaching for different stuff. I love all three of those cigars. But I like right now when I reach for a QD, um, I'm either reaching for the Corona's Claros, which is the 46 ring gauge, kind of like the Mag 46, or the QD 50. Not you the know. 54? I don't reach for the 54. I have a oh. box of them. I just don't reach for it. I just don't love that ring gauge. And that cigar I'm not that excited about. 
that I that I'll reach for it that often. Mm. I think the fifty four has more flavor. I do like that cigar a lot. Fifty is a good morning cigar. It's yeah. uh, it's got a lot of cedar and uh, yeah. Somebody someone gave us one the other day. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah, at the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what I liked about it, and and maybe this goes to my point of why I'm reaching for the fifty is where the fifty four would slit my, uh, slot in my lineup. I'm gonna reach for pyramids. Mm. I'm gonna reach for a, a P two. Amani 2 or whatever. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think this Monte 2 is um, underrated among cigar aficionados? I would say no. I would say in a lot of aspects, I think it's overrated. Really? Given given my previous experience. When these are good, these are fantastic. They're fantastic. So I just looked up the pyramid, like the shape, the difference between a pyramid and a torpedo Mm -hmm. and a bellicosa. Pyramid kind of tapers all the way down from the head to the toe. Mm. You know. Interesting. Not so. In That's the torpedo. right. Yeah. And I feel right. like the tor uh, is what is the BBF? Bellicosofino. <laughs> no, I know what it is. We're all confused now. It's a bellicoso. The BBF it's is a bellicoso because I think it's a little rounded on the top and it flares. Yeah. In, in it flares at the at the foot a little little bit. A bit. Bellicoso, I think, comes straight down and then it goes to a point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the pyramid kind of tapers down from head to toe, mm-hmm. and then the pyramid. I the mean, torpedo. the torpedo is the other way. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Yeah. All right, boys. Do you want to give the uh, the Appleton Estate rum the formal liquor rating? Mm, let's make it formal. Let's do it. All right, Bam Bam, you're up. I'd take a sip, but I don't have any. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry about that. Hold it's okay. On. I'll give you some. No, um, I'll <laughs> give it. I'm giving it an eight. Okay. Yeah. Senator. I have an emotional attachment to this, so I, I'm going between an eight and a nine. It's hard to make a rum that's not like overly sweet and that's complex. And I think it's one of the most complex rums at its price points. So I'm going to give it a nine. A nine okay. is, a, yeah, that's a fair score here. Yeah. I'm going to give it an eight because I think I gave the four square a nine mm. and I would put that one notch above this. Mm. Wow. I would give this an eight. Okay. I'm not a massive rum drinker, but I like rum a lot and I like, you know, not added sugars, which I think is an overabundance in the market right now. Um, very good rum. Very, very well paired. Eight, eight plus is an eight's pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. Totally. So the formal liquor rating on this cigar, or excuse me, on this rum, is an eight point three. Very good score. It's a perfect score. Great score. You know, and honestly, perfect. I would, I would definitely reach for this. Yeah. I w- yeah. If you can find it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you can find it, but total, I would. Total Wine has it. Oh, is that right? Very good. Yeah. This is uh, really yeah. tasty stuff. This is something I, I would keep in my. Weekly, every two week rotation, no doubt about I it. I have to say also, so rum's very versatile in that there, there's an almost every occasion it works. But I really love rum, like either with like a Cuban cigar in the summer or in the winter. Like some of the notes you get, like nutmeg and a little spice. It's like a great, it, it's for so the holidays. Great it's for great the holidays. Holidays. Yeah. Baking so spices. Great. Yes. In, in yeah. particular, this at uh, this Appleton would be great. It's a great winter drink. It is. It's great this point. Is like a, you just had a roast. You're sitting by the fire. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I feel and I but I feel like at the same time I feel like this is a nice. I'd argue a, a summer drink in a way. It's an every time. Yeah. Drink. It yeah. really. Uh, I think it na- it, you're nailing like that fire. You know, it's cold out. You you want something to kind of warm Think of your... Think all the shit that rum goes into for various yeah. machinations of fruity drinks. And, <laughs> and, and think of just holiday drinks, right? Like eggnog, yeah. they uh, spike with rum. Yep. Right, yeah, right. I would not mix this with anything. This, this, I agree. No, yeah, I wouldn't. no it's, it's not meant for it. I think it'd be a... Two chips of ice and you're golden be, yeah, for this particular... I think the ice opens it up just enough. I think it just yeah. kind of... Yeah, if you, rum, yeah. I mean, I would... It's just as anathema to fucking putting scotch in a fucking diet coke like give me a break oh, <laughs> you just can't no. mix this just one. don't do that around me i'll smack just you keep your bacardi <laughs> silver <laughs> for, for, for although <laughs> although i had a black label with a sploosh of what was it club soda sploosh. honestly was it good it was very good all right i was surprised uh, Pagoda will be very happy to hear yeah. you say that. Yeah, Where, yeah. Was that at the clubhouse? No, that was in With one the Magnum, of our. The Magnum. No, that was in some secret apartment somewhere. I our favorite restaurant owner. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> By the way, he stopped drinking. Your joke. Wait, wait a minute. I just saw him last night. He has He's closet full of bottles. I know. He goes. I'm not going to drink out of my apartment. Something happened. 
Oh, oh no. something happened at the at the restaurant. So he goes, I'm not going to drink in public. If I'm drinking, I'm not going to venture out of the apartment. Smart man. Oh, jeez. Yikes. It's good advice. I, yeah. I don't want to know what that. So I got to get him a six pack of Heineken Zeros. He's self-policing. And some Monty Twos. So we're coming to the uh, we're coming to the end here on the Monty Two Boys. What uh, what's kind of, what's your read right now on this thing? Because I, I I just can't say enough yeah, good things I, about this. I know right what now. I'm going to rate this, and Puba will probably have a heart attack with the rating. But honestly, I feel a lot of guys overlook this cigar. And I know you said you think it's overrated. I think a lot of people overlook it. Like you said, it's ubiquitous, even among this group. I actually agree with Bam. Even among this group. And I don't know, you know, this is just my perception for whatever reason, but I feel like years ago, the Monty 2 was like really held up on a pedestal almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like over the last even five years, and I think even longer than that, but even let's just say the last five years, it doesn't have the same level of respect or cachet that it once did. Exactly. And I can't explain why that is, but that's how I, I I think you're right, Ben. Yeah. Weird. Because I think there was a number of years when this wasn't that good. I think he's right. I think there was too, there were too many quality control issues for a while there. And maybe that was generally Cuba. Um, You know, the, the, the rise or sorry, the fall of the Monte two was coincidental with a lot of the Nicaraguan cigars taking their place among the top cigars in the world. And I would venture to say that it was kind of cast in that comparative analysis. And when you have Padron dominating so much of the taste profiles, especially in North America and, you know, basically over here, not on that side of the Atlantic, you probably had people just not giving its due consideration. I don't know. Maybe that's... That's some random hypothesis. No, but I think, I just I think it's it. right. And I think, too, I think that it, it was oversaturated. I mean, yeah. the stories I've heard about this is that, you know, I think I read in Cigar Aficionado, they were talking about the money, too. And they were saying if you were in an office, you were going to lunch with someone, you were going to have a cigar with someone in the early 90s and the, the financial craziness in New York City, everybody was pulling a money, too, out. It was the cigar to smoke. And I think that, you know, it could have been just an oversaturation of this cigar a product of everything we're saying, quality, um, good and bad over the years. And I think that Monte Cristo has put out some really high-end limited editions and regionals that have kind of, you know, overwhelmed this cigar in, in, in its quality. All right, boys, so let's, uh, let's give the Monte, Monte Cristo number two its formal lizard rating. FLR? FLR, baby. Rooster, you're up. Yeah, so I'm I'm like really pleasantly surprised by this Monty too. Uh, much better than the ones I've had in the past. Uh, great flavor, great combustion, good draw. It's perfect. I mean, it belongs in a daily. If if you can get this kind of consistency out of a Monty too, every time, I mean, I'm sold. So I'm gonna give it an eight. Wow, Very good. I'm also giving an giving it an eight. Um, Top tier cigar for me. I smoke a lot of these on a reg- on the regular basis. It is in my rotation, um, and I'll keep buying them. It's great, excellent. I am going to give it a nine, and the reason is that it may seem like a high cigar versus other cigars that I've rated, but I have this has found a such a high place in my rotation. I'm smoking more of these right now than I am D fours. It's right up there with the Mag Forty Six and, and other cigars I'm smoking for four times a week or so. Um, so an absolute nine for me. Have you thanked me yet? No, I will after <laughs> that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, high praise, Giz. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I'm going to give it an eight. I, I love the, the flavor profile of this. I think it's one of the most flavorful Cubans that, that we regularly smoke. And um, I, I, it checks every box. I think like Rooster said, I mean, the combustion, the construction, everything's been great. So no complaints. Excellent. Bam, bam. I'm at a nine. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I've had these for two years. Maybe I've had two that didn't perform well. Recent purchases are, are hopefully are the trajectories upward. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful cigar. Fantastic Cuban. Must, it's a must in every humidor. I agree. In now, every humidor. The, the only thing I do want to say, so I, I explain why, what I love about this cigar that I gave it an eight, but why I didn't give it a nine or a ten as much as I love the flavor profile of this cigar, 
I, I would not say that this is an overly complex cigar. No. I think like the flavor notes are like very straightforward. Agreed. They check the boxes for what I'm mm-hmm. looking for. Um, but I think I get more complexity out of some Partagas sticks that I mm-hmm. that are in my daily rotation and some others. So that's the only knock I have on this cigar, but yeah, fair. otherwise an outstanding fair. cigar. So the composite lizard score, boys, on the Monte Cristo number two is an eight point four. Excellent. It's great. I think Excellent. that is a perfect score for the cigar. Very good score. Um, you know, the, the reason why I think, and I think it's an interesting comment you make, Senator, about the complexity of it. I, I totally agree. But there's something about this that that stands on its own, I think, in almost every Cuban cigar that I've smoked or that we smoke regularly, in that it it has a twang about it. It has something special. about It has an X factor about it that no other Cubans, even in the Monte Cristo wine, I love a four. Rooster has given me, I think that was a one you gave me or a three. I'm not sure. Um, but this one specifically has something about it that is special. I think it, the simplicity is what helps it stand alone, mm. in my opinion. That's it's, a really interesting comment. It's, it's just a very simple cigar, and it, it's got that beautiful flavor note, and it's there. It's yeah. the simplicity, I think, that, that um, gives it its standalone quality. So I, I think to, to Bam's point about every listener should have this in their humidor, I think a great place to start on this cigar. It's so ubiquitous. You could find it anywhere. Get a 10-count box of these cigars. Throw in your humidor. Let it acclimate to a lower humidity. Get it to 62. And email us if you think we're crazy, because I know that you're not going to. But start with a 10-count. You don't need to dive into a 25-count box. Start with a 10. I will say, um, I think with these cigars... The acclimation with the humidity is extra extra important because I've had some pretty shitty money twos that were just sat like when I first got these the boxes I have now they were too moist yeah, too yeah, dense yeah definitely let it acclimate and come down to like a good Cuban humidity temp you know humidity profile which is the sixty two yeah sixty two ish yeah yeah so um awesome guys I am so happy that everybody's feeling as I hoped you would about this cigar. I wish Puba was here. I wish Pagoda was here to to (laughs) give me six other opinions. I agreed. To validate mine. And you know what, Grinder? Thank you for introducing me to the money, too. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I know he wanted to hear that on air. Thank you. um, All right, guys. An 8.3 for the Appleton Estate 12-year-age rum. And an 8.4 for the Monte Cristo number two from Cuba. Fantastic pairing. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, total luck, by the way. I just kind of called it out. But I'm glad it worked out, boys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, loungelizardspod, P-O-D. That's loungelizardspod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, at Lounge Lizards Pod. We really appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.